Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. This is a live radio program on Monday, February the 28th. We thank you for listening to AFR. I'm Tim Wildman with Ed Battagliano. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Tim. And Chris Woodward. Good morning. I'm playing Fred Jackson today. Yes, Fred is unavailable to play today. Uh, so he'll be he's on the injured reserve, I yeah. think. But <laughs> yeah. he's, but even though he's not injured. He had to go see a Canadian man about a horse. Yeah. About a Canadian horse. Is this some kind of inside joke oh, I don't no, know I just, about? I just, no, I'm just, just thinking something. I'm just trying to bail Chris out. Yeah. What, what does a horse have to do with anything? It's, you know that old expression? Have you ever heard that expression? I've got to go see a man about a horse when someone say, what are you doing? I'm 58. No. I've never and you never heard that? Heard that? Oh, I've my never... dad used to say it to us, and I thought he was literally going to come home with a horse. It was just a way of saying I've got something to do, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, i got to okay. go see a man about a horse. Hey. As in, it's none of your business. I just said I'm... Canadian because Fred's from Canada. I learned something. Or something I, I never, no, I've never heard that. Oh, before. okay. That's so, I thought it was a southern. And it's not thing. even trivia yeah. Friday. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I've never heard that before. Uh, all right, so much to talk about mm-hmm. today. Frank Gaffney, uh, for the founder of the Center for Security Policy, and heard each weekday evening here on AFR. Will be with us at ten thirty. Frank's a expert on uh, security, and uh, I'm talking about national security the United States, and also has a good feel for uh, what's happening internationally. Uh, the world's eyes, Ed, are on the Ukraine right now. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I got to say, I kind of expected Russia to have won this by now. I think a lot of people did because I was wondering whether um, – uh, I think it's Volodymyr uh, Zelensky – would have fled the country? Would the government have collapsed? And would the army have collapsed by now and sued for peace with Russia? And I think that's what Russia was planning on. But I, I, I'll just be honest, and I don't think I'm alone here. I am just blown away by the doggedness of the Ukrainian people. And uh, the President Zelensky staying in the country and basically saying, if, if I die, I'm going to die with my soldiers. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're fighting for your country and your president says that, I mean, that's that's George Washington-esque. Yeah. I have no idea what the man's character is, but... So anyway, this is, this is pretty incredible. What's amazing is how much this has captured the imaginations of, of the people around the world. Pictures, videos coming out, people putting the colors of the ukrainian flag on their facebook page on their you know on on this and that it's really extraordinary chris well it is uh talking about uh various people rallying uh fox news just had a story about uh demonstrations here uh in the u.s and other uh european nations in support of ukraine a lot of them are not from ukraine but they've got the uh, ukrainian flag uh painted on their cheeks also, uh, there were apparently thousands of people, according to Fox, that were arrested in demonstrations uh, in Russia. So you have even people in Russia who may not live uh, much longer based on their opposition and demonstrations toward uh, what 
Putin has done here. Yeah, every hour, you know, is uh, you're waiting for news every hour, every day uh, to see what, what happens in Ukraine because, you know, everybody knows now the Russians invaded with their overwhelming military power. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll, I guess it remains to be seen whether it's going to be truly overwhelming or not, but that was their intention was to force Ukraine into surrender within hours. Uh, And yet that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was sharing in devotion this morning. This just goes to show you when people have a taste of living in freedom and they have something like the history of Ukraine being controlled by Russia and the old Soviet Union, there's a lot of people that remember that. And they, they've they told their children and their grandchildren about living under Soviet oppression and domination. And they have a free country. They've had a free country since what? Since 30 years the, the, going on. What, the 80s or the 90s right in there? Well, 89 through 91 was the collapse of the Soviet Union and the fall of the Berlin Wall. And yeah. a lot of those countries began to, they broke away, got their independence. So they're saying we would rather die fighting than live under Putin's thumb. Yeah. yeah. That's what they decided, led by their president, uh, who uh, Zelensky, who the other day, said uh, it was a video i think it was who said uh the, i guess the united states had offered him safe passage out of the country mm-hmm. and he said i don't need i i need ammunition i don't need a ride yeah right a lot of people were posting that on social media you know praising I mean, him for that you know, a, giving him a lot of respect. A modern day brave heart right huh right um, so, well, and it's, you know what, it's a, it's a David versus Goliath battle. You, you mentioned the, mm-hmm. the military might of Russia compared to Ukraine or Ukraine's had a fairly large army on, on paper, you know, but in terms of tanks and all mm-hmm. that, it was clearly weighted in favor of the Russians. Well, now, uh, the ramifications for this, uh, against, uh, Putin. And Russia are enormous, and they're building. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, the world is turn is 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 uh, the world is turning its back on on Putin and Russia. In fact, in the United Nations Security Council vote late last week, there was a, uh, condemning Russia for invading Ukraine. Uh, even China, China abstained, which is basically a show of no support mm-hmm. for uh, for Putin and and Russia. That was big, don't you think? A- abs- absolutely, because when this thing started, now you know the, the the Russians invaded Ukraine four days ago. I mean, it seems like this has been going on for a month. Yeah, but this has only gone for four well, days. That's just the news cycle. Yes, <laughs> but it 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 appeared that. China and Russia had each other's back, 
and I think we've been talking a lot, and we, we, I would like to ask Frank Gaffney when he comes on at 1030, what, he, what lessons he thinks the Chinese are taking from this because our, you know, at least mine, but I think you too, Tim, we've been talking about this. Was China planning on pulling the same stunt with Taiwan as Russia has done with Ukraine? And now, as you were pointing out before the show, I thought it was a great insight. Is China now saying, you know what? The financial penalty and the penalty in terms of world opinion may not be the thing we want to pay if we if we just simply invade another country, which China believes Taiwan is theirs, but everybody knows it's a country. Sure. Free functioning country. Has been country. for my entire lifetime. And, well, since, and some, yeah. since the end of the, uh, now, sub, the Chinese Civil mm-hmm. War. That's when they went to Formosa. There's a large uh, evangelical church inside Ukraine, too. Uh, I've been reading about and learning more about mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Pritchard, who just hosted the last hour right. for us here on American Family Radio, has traveled there three times to train pastors. So we prayed this morning in a couple times, uh, our staff, mm-hmm. for our – well, you, pr- you, you, you pray for peace, right? Uh, but also we prayed specifically for our Christian brethren yeah. who are who are there. Right. on the ground in Ukraine. It's a lar- supposedly a large Christian population in Ukraine, and Christians all over the world are, are praying yeah. for them. A lo- uh, Tony Perkins <laughs> mentioned last week on his show, Washington Watch, that uh, Ukraine is actually responsible for a lot of the missionaries throughout Europe. They they train up people, and they send them to other countries in Europe to share the gospel. Right. It's not just Americans that are going abroad anymore. Right. It's people over there actually going to uh, their neighboring countries. I actually have some sound here um, talking about Americans uh, showing their support for Ukraine. Um, I have some audio from a Ukrainian-American. His name is Oleg. I don't have his last name. But he lives in Philadelphia, and he was on Fox and Friends today discussing his efforts to uh, gather things here and send them abroad to try to help out his fellow Ukrainians. Clip 10. Well, I'm taking with me um, MREs. I'm taking first aid supplies, like Quick Clot. I'm taking, and in Poland, once I get there, I'm going to get food to take with me. I'm taking thermal underwear and socks and just things of that nature. I'm taking personal hygiene supplies. We'll just find people who need them and hand it off to them if needed. What I'm doing might seem extraordinary, but if you see what Ukrainians are doing in Ukraine right now and how they're communicating together, they're working together, they're working as a team to defend Ukraine, in the context of that, what I'm doing now might seem fairly average or even less so than what the average Ukrainian is going through right now in Ukraine. I mean, that's pretty like, you know, I, I really respect that. And and I think a lot of young people here need to listen to these kinds of stories because a lot of young people, unfortunately, in today's America are told that our government is bad and other governments are bad and all these other things. And, you know, under Trump, uh, we heard that nationalism was a bad word. We shouldn't be nationalist and patriotism is taken out of context, all these kinds of things. What you're seeing in just the last few days in Ukraine proves all those people wrong. It's OK to be a patriot and it's OK to love your country. Well, even the Apostle Paul uh, in Romans 9 said, was talking about his anguish for the Jewish people because they had not come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he was talking about his love for his people in the natural. It is, I, I think, part of God's way of ordering the world that you 
Love those that are close to you, your family, obviously, under normal circumstances. You love your family. You love your extended family. And you love people in your community. You root for your state in this country Mm -hmm. when it comes to sports. But you love your country. That that is a natural sense, a natural feeling. There's nothing ungodly about you. You don't ever elevate your own country above the concerns of the kingdom. But you, it is natural to love your own country. I think that's part of God's way of ordering the world. Hey, if you want to watch this show on Facebook or YouTube, just type in Today's Issues. Type in Today's Issues, and you can watch us live video stream the program. And we also post the stories that we talk about on our Facebook page so that you can read the uh, source of our the source of information for our discussions that we're having here. Frank Gaffney will be with us in about uh, 13 minutes, 12 or 13 minutes here on the program. He's a founder of Center for Security Policy, and he knows a lot more about, uh, I guess, strategy and, and what's happening uh, than uh, than uh, we do. So we look forward to his expertise. Mm-hmm. There's just so much to talk about regarding this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching the people leaving Ukraine and a lot of them, uh, there's, there's hundreds of thousands now that are fleeing Ukraine. Yes, there are those who are staying to fight. Uh, but there are also a lot of, a lot of people who are, uh, refugees now. And they're, they're having to go to the borders of countries like Poland, for example, and Poland's haven't accept them, you know, as accepting them in. I've heard nothing good, good things about Poland and other countries there in the in the region being uh, receiving these refugees. But you know, these are these were regular folks, right? Who were uh, they? They got their suit. They're pulling their suitcases. Yeah, they're driving their cars. Five days, six days ago, they were taking their kids to school. They were going to their jobs. Yeah. They were going to the supermarket. Yeah. And all of a sudden, because I don't think the what I can tell, the the vast majority of people, or at least the majority of well, the vast majority of people in Ukraine did not believe that that Putin would actually do this, would right. actually invade with right. his army. Uh they thought, you know, he was just saber rattling to try to get uh uh, some sort of concessions uh, concessions yeah yeah because the ukrainians wouldn't want war so but most ukrainians didn't believe he would actually do this and boom he did and now uh, i i told allison my wife and i i, I was thinking about this and i said this to our staff this morning uh you know think about um just having to uh, within hours decide do i leave my home yeah I've got small children and take off, take off where I was thinking, you know, well, you have to drive to, uh, drive a hundred miles. And then if you're a male on 60 and under drop off your family with strangers, with strangers. And then instead of heading back to your home to go to your job, yeah, you're heading back for them to hand you a rifle or a, some sort of uh, armory 
that what you call it? To well, weapons. Weapons yeah. to to go uh, to go fight a professional army. For fight fight a professional army, and you're going to have to go fight them. And 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 how you have you have to have a command and control of your own of your own. And Ukraine does so far; it hasn't yeah. been taken out or dismantled. But that's just like something out of a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Huh? But you uh, so have these families separated like that. You have to say goodbye to your your wife and your children, and and you don't know if you'll ever yeah. see them again. Have you guys seen the video? It's been on Twitter a lot, probably on Facebook. But a a, a man, I'd say forties ish, uh, loading his children onto what appears to be a bus. It's a little girl in like a pink coat, winter coat, and she's crying, and he's crying, and he's trying to put like her toboggan on her head and kiss her goodbye, and. I mean, it's like it is. It's was what the mother you see going the, with the? Girl? I didn't see a. I didn't see a woman there. I don't know if maybe he was a single father or whatnot. But the kids were were how terrified. Do you, how do you find your kids again after that? I have no idea. I guess it's similar in nature to like what the British people did back in the 30s. Well, when they were World being, War II. Yeah, when the London and you just trust strangers bombed. to take care of your kid. It's. I mean, well, you don't have a choice. Yeah, you don't have a choice. I'm sure they'll have, now with cell phones and registries and they'll, they'll they'll be able to reunite but you just you know if you if you're the mom with your three small children and you're living in some shelter now in Poland mm-hmm. and you're, you're trying to follow the news and you haven't heard from your husband or your sons this is absolutely terrifying uh, yeah. and it just it to think and th- that's why Putin deserves all the condemnation that he's getting around the world and um that's i guess this is an issue we could take up with uh with frank gaffney but uh if if how far did how far does putin go with his uh you know does he does he start just uh blowing up apartment buildings well there's been video of the of rockets more than he is now i mean just destroy the city altogether and then what do you have Let's say that you know it's kind. Of, I, I use the expression this morning. We've you mentioned the one that you said that I've never heard. Uh, your horse. What do you say? Something about your man about a horse. Oh, you oh, yeah. You want to go see a man about, about, a, about a, horse. a horse? Well, you, we've all heard the expression. Uh, uh, what if the you know the the dog catches the car? Yeah. Huh. Right. Because well, the dog will chase the car. The right. dog. The to me, the dog is Putin. Yeah. And he's caught the car. In other words, he's invaded now. Now what? Because even if he captures the land, right, the land being Ukraine, there's going to be nobody to rule over because they're not going to submit. We've seen now they'll be fighting for years if they have to. Right. The Ukrainian people, I think, from what I've seen, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll subdue, but I think the people will flee. In other words, they are not going to live under a Russian puppet government. Whatever that looks like, they're not going to live and submit uh, to to living under a Russian puppet government. And Putin, I got to think, thought this, like you said, this would be over in 24, 48 hours. They would surrender and everything would be intact. I, uh, I put in my guy. Right. And he puts in his people. And he'll run the country. And, he'll and run everyone will go back to doing what they were doing before. They'll just run. On, they'll just live under a Russian and now, puppet. Now that didn't happen. And you asked the question too. One of our meetings. That so, what happens if he uh, uh, Kiev is his target? 
because that's where Zelensky and the government is. What if he crushes the city? I mean, you talk about nothing to rule over. Right. Then and then Russia, let's say Russia wins. They've got to re Russia's got to rebuild the city that they destroyed. I mean, who else is going to do it? Yeah. I, yeah. This is all for what? For what? Uh, this is another lesson, too, in the old expression absolute power corrupts absolutely. When I don't know what the Russian Constitution uh, or governing laws look like exactly. I haven't studied or researched that. I do know they, you know, they lived under under uh, Stalin, and then they lived under um, uh, with. Well, there were several. Khrushchev, they, it, Khrushchev it was communism. Brezhnev. It was it was it was communism like they have in China, except probably Stalin killed. Oh, millions of his own on a people. daily basis. Yeah, a lot okay. of people on a daily basis. So they lived under that, and then Gorbachev. For those who remember Gorbachev, and, and was a new leader, negotiated with President Reagan and Margaret Margaret Thatcher, and they said no more communism, and their economy was collapsing. No more communism. The Soviet Union broke up. And then everybody thought, well, this will lead to more freedom for the Russian people, and uh, they will become more westernized. But this is this is my point. When you let somebody build their power base as president or leader of a country indefinitely, then this is what happens a lot of times because of human nature. What I'm talking about is limitations on being the president of a country. We have, you know, FDR was elected three times by the American people, mm -hmm. and then, well, four times. Excuse me, he was elected four times. It was and it was during his fourth administration yeah. that he died, right? Right. But then uh, the wisdom, I think, of of uh, our, our officials back then, our elected officials, and the people was that, hey, this is not healthy mm -hmm. for a democracy, for a constitutional republic to be, have a president uh, be able to be in office indefinitely. If only they had given themselves term limits in addition to giving the president, yeah, yes. Well, yes. But even if he is elected, they said two terms, no more. So if Putin would have had two terms, no more, I don't know what the length of, uh, then he wouldn't be able to be elected I put that in quotations for 25-plus oh, yeah. years or whatever it is now. There was an election uh, fairly recently, and I, election, that's what they call it, uh, over there, but he pretty much put himself in, in that position for the rest of his life. Well, they he, had that he, Medvedev he, guy yeah, at he, Yeah, he, that, but that was all. Everyone knew that was wink-wink. Yeah. He said, well, I can't, I can't stay as, you know, as, uh, you know, uh, prime minister of Russia, and so we'll let this uh, Medvedev guy – uh, Dmitry Medvedev, mm -hmm. he, he'll he'll take it for a while, and then I'll come back. Yeah, Dmitry Medvedev uh, was the guy that Obama said, "Hey, tell Vladimir after I'm reelected, I'll have more flexibility." Okay, so yeah. excuse me. Then am I historically incorrect? Just I, I thought Putin has been the president for all these years. No, there was the I think four year. I think it was a four year term that Medvedev was in yeah, there. He was and in then another. He, he held another title while the Medvedev guy basically did his job for him, and then he came back. 
Okay. So he's been there the whole. He's been okay. in power the he whole time. He was prime minister. They have a prime minister and a president. Mm-hmm. Uh, Putin is. But they don't have a law that says a man cannot be president more than eight years, for example, or more than 10 years in Russia. Must not because he's he has been uh, president since 2012. Okay. So that's 10 years. And then he was president before Medvedev. And you see what he's doing now, too. He's putting anybody who protests against the war, he's he's, uh, punishing them in his own country. We'll be back momentarily. Hi, this is Frank Turek. If you want to be better equipped to defend the truth and goodness of the gospel in a world filled with pandemics and natural disasters and utter confusion, join me, Richard Howe, Edward Graham, Hugh Ross, Jay Warner Wallace, and even John Cooper from Skillet at the 28th Annual National Conference on Christian Apologetics. It's April 8 to 9, but seats are limited, so register by going to ses.edu. You know, most tours of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., don't include the spiritual heritage of our country, the Christian history of our nation, the people, the places, the events that God used to birth America. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. My friend, historian Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, goes with us on these tours And he talks all along the way. He tells you about the people, the places, the events. And he does so from a Christian perspective. So you're invited to join us on one of these spiritual heritage tours in June and September. We also go to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown on a separate tour if you want to do that as well. So for all the information, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, simply the website spiritualheritagetours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. A high school teacher boasted on social media about creating an explicitly queer space in his taxpayer-funded classroom. The teacher kept his name and location private. He said most days he comes to school wearing stilettos, boasting about standing six foot six in heels. The teacher also bragged about coming to school in drag and makeup. He said school administrators had no problem with his behavior, and they were just glad he was making a safe space for kids. Now, this guy is a sex and gender revolutionary, using his classroom to indoctrinate and confuse kids. Whatever happened to teaching young people to be good and productive members of society? Whatever happened to reading and writing and math and science? And whatever happened to teachers who used to wear sensible shoes in the workplace? Homeschool your children, America. Be sure to download a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl. It's available at your favorite bookstore or online at toddsterns.com. 
This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. The word perversion is no longer politically correct, but it means, quote-unquote, the alteration of something from its original course, meaning, or state to a distortion or corruption of what was first intended. Over the decades, we have witnessed the perversion of our culture, Christianity, and the Constitution. In recent years, these are morphing into a new normal at an alarming rate. However, as the perversion becomes the new normal, it does does in fact remain a perversion of what is true, good, and right. Ironically, those who will stand fast for what is right, who will uphold a standard that's pure, and who will point back to the original and historically held meaning, they are now seen as the perversion. They are mocked and attacked. Lord, give us strength each day to point to you and to stand having done all to stand in this evil day. Amen. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. Come on, come on. American Family Association or American Family Radio. I missed the show again. Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Lord. AFR.net. American Family Studios was started back in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture. Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy. AmericanFamilyStudios.net Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Thank you for listening to AFR. Tim with Ed and Chris. Chris, what's our lead story on American Family Radio News? It's it's all Ukraine at the moment. Um, well, actually, the top story just changed uh, in what we call the big uh, the big window. Uh, we've got upper chamber set to decide fate of abortion industry wish list. This is about a bill today called the Women's Health Protection Act, and virtually every group you hear on American Family Radio is coming out in opposition of this bill. Carol Tobias, for one example, at National Right to Life says it's it's way beyond a row in terms of all things. Yeah, we, we can talk about this more later, but to what, what's happening there is uh, this is really not a threat to become law, but it's still something to pay attention mm-hmm. to and shows where the Democrat Party is. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States last fall heard the Mississippi abortion law case, and they will be, was it last fall? Time starts it's in this together. term. It'll be by June that they okay, decide. Okay, by June they will make their decision public. Mm-hmm. Talking about the Supreme Court. Many people think they will uphold Mississippi's 15-week uh, 15, 15 15 abortion uh, uh, heartbeat 
a law and allow that to stand, which would in essence turn the abortion law back to the states, uh, which is the reversal of Roe versus Wade. That's what many people think will happen. The Democrats, uh, Democrat Party is in favor of allowing for abortion through nine months of pregnancy. And that's what they're trying to do with this bill. Correct. In the United States Congress is federalize or nationalize abortion law, codify it, so to speak, forever, so that states can't do anything to uh, regulate abortion otherwise. True. I got that right, yes. basically. So uh, that's what's going on there. Uh, the Democrat Party, sadly, has kicked out all pro-life people in their party, and they are full board, promote, you know, they, they want to see abortion be legal through all nine months of pregnancy. It's barbarism, mm -hmm. but uh, that's that's a, that's what they've chose to side with yeah. or, or defend. And it goes to show you that uh, today's Democrats are not your father's Democrats. No. There was a time where they would not have stood for this as no. a party. No. Uh, all right, so uh, Frank Gaffney joins us now, founder uh, of the Center for S Security Policy. Heard each evening at 10 o'clock Central Time on American Family Radio with the program Securing America with Frank Gaffney. Uh, Frank, good morning. Good morning, Tim. It's good to be with you again. Uh, thank you, uh, Tim, Ed, and Chris here. Uh, wanted to have you back on. I had you on last week, uh, for, uh, Frank. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a never, never a good thing when you have to have Frank Gaffney on your show. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no disrespect, sure. no disrespect to you, Frank, but it's kind of like having a, a, what's the weather channel guy that, uh, Oh, the one, whenever there's a hurricane, uh, what, Jim Cantori, Jim, you never want to see Jim Cantori come to your <laughs> town, right? Uh, go but, to your safe place. Much the same. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I, I, I wanted to, we wanted to have you on about, uh, obviously the, what's happening with Ukraine and Russia and the world's reaction. Uh, but first thing I wanted to ask you, I, I don't know, you've been doing this several decades and, uh, uh, Putin has been in charge, uh, been ruling over if you want to, as a, basically a de facto dictator by de facto. I mean, he, yes, he is elected, but I put that in quotations. Um, Condoleezza Rice, who, uh, served as secretary of state under, President Bush, she was on over the weekend, Frank, and she was saying Putin is not the same man that he was uh, I, uh, up that she knew. Uh, and he was a KGB guy, cold, calculated, uh, Russian, uh, but not a madman. And people are wondering today, is he a madman? Talk about that. She's not the only one who's, uh, you know, observing some changes in Putin. Um, I think at this point, you know, we're in the situation where at a remove, uh, it's difficult to psychoanalyze right. somebody. Hard enough to do it when you got them you know, on the couch and you can really probe <laughs> what they're thinking. But um, I, I think that there's a, a sense I understand among the Russian population as well, that something's not right with Putin. And whether that's just the effects of having set in motion this extremely dangerous situation and all that is uh, weighing on him as a result. And, and by that, I don't simply mean, you know, the 
needless loss of life and immense destruction that he's inflicting on Ukraine, uh, or the potential that um, all of these sanctions that have been enacted since we last talked uh, are going to be devastating for his own economy. Um, but quite possibly that, you know, he's beginning to fear that uh, what he's unleashed may in frame um, the end of his own regime, something that was basically unthinkable, you know, two or three weeks ago. All that may be operating, or maybe there's something else going on. Maybe the guy who has brought all of this about um, has simply uh, got now emotional problems that, you know, preceded these events and uh, psychological disorders. Who knows? But all all I can tell you is that it makes all the more uh, ominous uh, some of the things that he's saying, uh, including about, you know, uh, punishments that would be meted out, unlike anything that uh, anybody who is interfering with him has ever experienced in their history, and and uh, putting his nuclear forces on heightened alert, and those sorts of things are uh, would be worrying uh, under all circumstances, but uh, particularly so if there's may be some sort of um, now psychological problems, emotional disorder, what have you, uh, afflicting him as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, yes, you're right. We can't uh, do a psychoanalysis from uh, from where we sit exactly. You, but you can you can take from take some some things from maybe photographs or uh, pictures or interviews. I, I'm looking at a photograph on the Fox News website that I, I that the Russian uh, government released February twenty eighth, two thousand and twenty two. What's today? That's today. Huh? Yep. Okay. Rush, and it says Russian President Vladimir Putin chairs a meeting on economic issues at the Kremlin in Moscow on February twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. And it's a photograph, and it's got Putin by himself at one end of the table, and it's got his advisory team, his advisors, which looks to be like five or six of them, and they are sitting, I'm telling you, 25 feet away at the other end of the table because this guy, it's been reported Putin is so scared of COVID. That's what's been that's what's been reported. He he's been acting like this for a while. We also the pic, most people saw the picture of him and the French president. Um, if it's president in France, I'm not sure. No. Macron. It is. And they were sitting like 25 feet apart on the assistance of Putin because he's so fearful of getting COVID. That's what it's been reported. I'm just thinking if somebody is so is so fearful of covid that they sit 25 30 feet away from all the other people in the room to talk to them that guy's not right in the head huh <laughs> just that, that when i see that picture you know what i'm saying that's right. all i need something he, he's living in paranoia yeah and maybe yeah. isolated so just, it, it gives the term social distancing a whole new meaning don't i know it? <laughs> i know i know it, it makes you wonder if he's been in a bunker uh maybe not mm. literally or figuratively for two years and and it's and he they say he doesn't have a smartphone uh 
so there's nothing necessarily wrong with that except that he he seems isolation. To, he seems to be isolated. Ed, yeah. You know, hey, uh, Frank, um, what, what I was kind of curious about, we had been talking when this thing all broke out, and it's just four days. It seems like a month that this has been going on. But uh, my my concern was what lessons China is taking from this. You know, are they going to make a move on Taiwan? And they may might still. But Tim was, and I were talking before the show. I hadn't really considered the fact that maybe what China, the lesson China is learning is that there are severe economic consequences that are possible if they just simply attack another nation. Do you think that that's a possibility or do you think China's a wolf and they're just going to make a, a play for the taking the lamb, so to speak? Well, when we talked last week, um, I was feeling that the only lesson that the Chinese could take away from all of this was uh, aggression could be engaged in with impunity. I think that's less clear today, and I'm sure they're watching this very closely. Uh, one of the things that, um, as I think we discussed a week ago, is that the Chinese and the Russians have joined forces, um, literally, uh, as a result of an agreement that was released on the 4th of February. And uh, in that agreement, it was very clear that the Chinese were going to have Putin's back on, quote, NATO, unquote, by which I think was clear it was meant Ukraine. And Putin was going to have China's back on Taiwan uh, and its uh, desire to force its submission one way or the other. To Chinese rule. So from the get-go, it's been pretty clear that if uh, if Russia was going to go first, China was going to be watching with great interest uh, what the repercussions were. And if Putin got away with it, um, I, thought, I think it was unquestionably the case that the Chinese were going to try to do the same. In this circumstance, uh, as things have evolved, uh, the Russians have not gotten their way in Ukraine thus far. Uh, they have had logistical difficulties. Uh, they've met more resistance than they expected. Uh, I, I think you'd still have to bet that they will ultimately succeed in conquering the place if they can persist. Um, but it will be with a tremendous loss of life, including among Russian forces. And I think now at greater and greater cost to Putin and his regime, um, partly because of the sanctions, partly because of, I think, what's developing in terms of um, uh, opposition around the world to Russia. And I, I, that's not going to be lost on the Chinese, I think. And that's that's one of the few upsides of all of this. I want to jump right to uh, a, uh, a question, a military question, Frank, that I have that can we, the United States, stop intercontinental missiles? Can we shoot them down? We have a limited capability to do it. It is not uh, what I had hoped it would be. Uh, we're campaigning for effective missile defenses against not just North Korea and Iran, but against the threats that we face from, well, China, but 
especially Russia. And those threats are, are very real at the moment. So yeah, what, 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 yeah. The short answer to your question is we have some capability, Tim, but it's not nearly what we should have and what we really may need here if, God forbid, Putin what, decides to pull the trigger. What if he says, Putin, and I don't mean to scare people, but I don't, a lot of people didn't think he would invade Ukraine either. And if you, if you, uh, a wounded animal pushed into the corner, uh, is, is very dangerous, especially somebody who's mentally not is unbalanced, imbalanced, I should say. Yeah. So I just, you know, what if he says, what if he says, you know, what if Putin says, listen, either you guys back away or I'm going to, uh, launch, uh, I'm going to take London and Washington out. So you, you decide by in 48 hours what you're going to do. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For a guy who's 70 years old, maybe he has nothing to lose and nobody to stop him. Now, that would that would uh, assume that his uh, underlings would carry out his apocalyptic demands. Right. But I'm just saying that, uh, listen, the Russians put missiles in Cuba in 1962. Two. When was it that uh, JFK had to tell them? 1962. October, get out. Well, you don't put you don't put missiles in 90 miles from the U.S. border unless you want to uh, unless you plan to maybe use them one yeah, day. They're there for so, a reason. So anyway, go ahead c- comment on that if if you would, Frank. Well, Tim, this is a tremendously important topic, and uh, we won't have time to do full justice to yeah. it. I don't imagine, but the thing is. Vladimir Putin has made an investment for, well, most of the time he's been misruling uh, the Russian Federation, that he was going to massively increase the nuclear capabilities of his country. Um, The economy of his country, as I think we, again, uh, had a discussion about last week, is, uh, is fairly small. Uh, his conventional forces, as we're seeing in Ukraine, um, are not as uh, as strong or as um, you know robust as one might have expected. But his nuclear forces have been very substantially built up. In fact, uh, if you can believe this, I understand that um, he has just completed the modernization of some 22 different nuclear systems. And there are various ranges and capabilities. Some some are so um, horrifically devastating. For example, an intercontinental range nuclear-powered underwater torpedo that is said to have the ability to detonate a 100-megaton weapon. And uh, Hiroshima was about 25 kilotons by measure comparison. Um, this is a stupendously um, destructive device that would devastate, you know, uh, not only the immediate target, uh, say a port in the United States on the East Coast, maybe, um, but you know the 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 state in which that port is, and and probably a lot of other territory beyond. So the problem here is that he has in place the means to destroy our country many times over. Could he possibly 
exercise that capability? Would people follow his orders to do so? I don't know for sure if what we just discussed is taking place, quite possibly. But here's the more worrying thing in a way, which speaks perhaps to the willingness of people to execute their orders. He has an accompanying nuclear doctrine now called escalate to de-escalate, which essentially contemplates, not only contemplates, it envisions the use of nuclear weapons to achieve decisive victory um, in what would otherwise be a conventional fight. And so all of this is um, extremely fraught, it seems to me, the more so because not only do we not have an adequate missile defense, despite, again, what Ronald Reagan envisioned and what many of us have you know, called for for decades now, but our missiles themselves, our nuclear deterrent forces themselves are now obsolete, having not been modernized since I was in the Pentagon back in 1988, for heaven's sakes. We haven't even tested our nuclear forces, our nuclear weapons, that is, since 1992 in a credible underground way. So all of these things are factors in a calculation that is, well, it used to be called thinking the unthinkable. Vladimir Putin not only thinks about this, he's actually presided personally in simulated nuclear weapons attacks against the United States on on a number of occasions, by the way. This is one of the things he does. I don't know if a single American president has ever engaged in a war game in which he similarly was involved in the actual decision-making of releasing nuclear weapons in, in a, you know... Uh, a simulated way, obviously. And this is a kind of, uh, again, correlation of forces, as the Soviets used to say, that I think should give us very, very real concern about what's afoot. Talking to Frank Gaffney. Frank is a uh, founder of, of security, the Center for Security Policy, and heard each weekday evening here, uh, including tonight here at 10 o'clock Central Time with his program, Securing America with Frank Gaffney. I'm Tim Wildman with David Tagliano and Chris Woodward. Uh, we got five minutes. To, to who had the next question for Frank? I have a question. Um, a couple of times now, President Biden has said we're not going to be sending U.S. forces to fight alongside the Ukrainians against the Russians. But he did say in one of his more recent press conferences, if you can call them that, that uh, we would be sending uh, forces over to assist our NATO allies. Um, and Frank, here's my question. We were told several times during the Trump administration that NATO often ends up leaving us holding the bag and we have to cover the bases for everybody. Is NATO doing enough for us to not send our more of our forces over there to actually do something about this? It's a great question. I, I think to a degree that, frankly, I am astonished by. Uh, NATO has seemed largely to be coming together in support of the economic response to what Putin has done, um, to a degree that, that goes well beyond what was going on last week when we discussed this, uh, and, and I found it mostly wanting. The sanctions were not that robust, and there were gaping holes, including the Germans and uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and so on. Um, things seem to be uh, driving 
NATO uh, to uh, not only congeal around the idea that uh, this is a very serious threat, not just to freedom-loving people in Ukraine, but to uh, NATO allies themselves. Um, But they've also, I think, um, begun to calculate that uh, uh, they need to be uh, doing more. Uh, and I, I think some of this is, is now reflected in the appeal that Finland, for example, uh, is making to uh, to have NATO membership. It's on the front lines with the Russians, of course. Uh, the Baltic states are very alarmed about what's happening, as is Poland, I think Romania, frontline states. Um, the Swiss have pulled in, I think for the first time, at least I can recall, behind NATO uh, and uh, including the sanctions uh, regime and, and blocking uh, Russian aircraft from uh, overflying their territory or landing there. So these are the sorts of things that are straws in the wind. To your question, though, are they stepping up to do more militarily? And I think the answer to that is mostly no. There is a rapid deployment force that I believe has uh, multiple nations uh, forces in it, uh, that I think is being um, moved forward uh, into some of these nations that are feeling threatened. And I think that's a good thing. But I think by and large, most of these nations, unfortunately, especially the Germans, um, have allowed their militaries to atrophy to such a point that there's not much they can do at this juncture other than on the economic side. Well, there there is one big... Um... There's an ace in the hole here that the world can play against Putin, especially the United States and the EU, and that is cutting off that pipeline, cutting off the, the oil. They haven't done that yet. Uh, maybe they're hoping, I'm talking about the United States and the EU, they're hoping that the sanctions they're putting into place, which are severe, Will uh, I mean I was reading about the what's going on in Russia right now is their their, their economy's tanking people are lined up at ATMs can't get money out currencies the, down yeah this is this is terrible for Russia and, and for for Putin if he cares uh, but hey listen Frank thanks so much for joining us look forward to hearing you tonight I do too thank you my friend that's Frank Gaffney we'll be back in five minutes. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.